Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Thursday, February the 2nd, 2023. I believe the groundhog saw his shadow again. Six more weeks of winter. Neither here nor there. This is episode 147 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen along over on YouTube. Search Bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 146 prior. On the heels of last week, kind of laid out what this would look like going forward, and we're diving right into it. Derby preps on the show. We've got the Bob Lewis out in California. We've got the Holy Bull here in Florida. It's my final Thursday in South Florida. Go home on Monday. Quick couple's night's sleep. Change over the clothes hop on a plane, head out to San Francisco for the El Camino Real Derby. But this weekend, they may not be the, the most glamorous races, but they're important races. The Bob Lewis is a very polarizing race for a few different reasons. A, they're all trained by Bob Baffert, all four of the, the runners. Uh, B, none of them can earn any points because they're trained by Bob Baffert. Uh, C, it's a four-horse field, and in D, your 7-5 morning line favorite has routed one time in his life, and he was dreadful. Arabian, excuse me, Arabian Lion. Arabian Knight was the one who just, you know, ran a hole in the wind at Oakland last weekend. Arabian Lion, in the lone two-turn try in the low south futurity back in December, bet down to 2-5, to five, pressed the pace, and backed up in a bad way. Now, is that what he is? No. No, he's, he's, he's a better horse than that. Blinkers are going on. He's been working in blinkers, apparently. He's been working very well. He's certainly a major player in this race, and you could make the case that he's the controlling speed from the inside. I know there is other speed in the race, but I think he's faster than hard to figure who's on the outside. We'll do a full deep dive, and I say deep dive, take him right in post-position order, for this race as well as the Holy Bull. But I actually look at Saturday as if there are three derby preps. And there are only points awarded for one of them, the Holy Bull. But there's another race at Gulfstream prior to both of the graded stakes races. Race number eight. It's a one-turn mile. It's an allowance race for three-year-olds. And those of you that listened to the show at the end of December, I had laid out sort of the three-year-olds that I had my eye on, or soon-to-be three-year-olds, and there were two in particular that I couldn't separate. I had them listed basically as 1A and 1B. One of them was Tappet's Conquest, who most recently finished a troubled second in an allowance race at the fairgrounds for Brad Cox. I think he's going to move forward. I think he's a major, major racehorse. Still a little bit green. Had a lot of things that he had to overcome that day in New Orleans. That was back on January 21st. It was his first start since October 1st. I think he moves out of that race in a, in a major, major fashion. And I would hope they go right to a stakes race with him, trying to get some points. Maybe it's the Risen Star. Who knows? But the other horse that I said I really liked was Tappet Trice. And Tappet Trice runs Saturday, race number eight at Gulfstream, along with another Pletcher trainee, Shesterkin, to the far outside. And Rad Ortiz Jr. rides that horse. Down to the inside, you've got Luis Saez aboard. Now, purely on speed figures, Tappet Trice is the faster of the two. 
on the buyer scale. Earned an 87 when he broke his maiden over a muddy sealed track at Aqueduct on December the 17th. Shesterkin, 82 in gate-to-wire fashion on New Year's Eve down here in Florida. In theory, you would think the running style of Shesterkin plays a little bit better here at Gulfstream than that of Tappet Trice, who is much, I would say, not only is he still very green, and not only do I think he wants longer, but he's very grindy. He is not a flashy sort at this point anyway. If he ever gets a little bit of pizzazz, he's going to be a monster. But right now he doesn't have that. I think Tappet Trice, if he were to win Saturday, or even run quite well, given the the nature of this racing surface down here in South Florida, which I will say, I, I think it's been extremely fair for the five weeks I've been here. But he is not the kind of horse that I immediately think of and, and think, yeah, grindy, probably wants longer, one-turn-mile Gulfstream. So if he runs well, uh, to me, that just only increases his potential and what sort of his his scope is. It's probably a quick turnaround, but I think the other thing to keep in mind, just given the way things are lining up, this race will be run on February the 4th. Later on in the card, you've got the Holy Bull. First weekend in March... I believe you're going to have the Fountain of Youth here. But the following week, you're going to have the Tampa Bay Derby in Oldsmar. And this is purely me spitballing. I think if they both were to run well, I would assume Shesterkin stays. Tappa Trice goes to Tampa. That's, again, I, I am genuinely just pulling stuff out of my ass. But with the way the two horses run... I think Tappet Trice might be a little bit of a better suit for a, a track like Tampa. Maybe Shesterkin's a better fit here. Uh, big picture, who knows what Shesterkin really is. You know, his mom was a nice router on synthetic. Did some good things on dirt as well. Was a stakes winner. But part of me wonders, you know... How far will this horse truly want to go? Is he more of a miler? And maybe that plays a little bit better here. Tappet Trice, though, this is a long-winded way of saying I'm excited to see him. And and I know the weather looks uh, a bit dodgy here on Saturday. I think 70% chance of rain. It's going to cool down. There's It's going to be wickedly hot on Friday, and, and it's supposed to cool down. And usually when you get that kind of snap, that's when the, the storms pop up. If it is wet... Certainly won't be his problem. I mean, he's, he's already proven himself over a wet track. But if Tappet Trice runs well on Saturday at this configuration, at this racetrack, I think he becomes extremely interesting going forward. He's already interesting to me, but I, I think he could be very, very good in the future. Also worth noting, that maiden score at Aqueduct on the 17th of December, the form was flattered when Slip Mahoney, the runner-up, came back and broke his maiden next out with an 87 buyer, and also the 7th place finisher was the next out winner with 56, but keep in mind that horse was, oh, I don't know, nearly 35 lengths behind the top two. So Tappet Trice, 
and Shesterkin, and I don't mean to give short shrift to anybody else in this field, the field of seven as of Thursday night. But I look at this as a derby prep because if one or both or any of these horses that run really well in this spot, I would almost guarantee they're going to show up in a points race next. Whether it ends up being the Fountain of Youth, whether it's the Tampa Bay Derby or the Rebel, although the Rebel's a quick turnaround. There's only a few weeks between now and then. Um, you get the gist, though. This is effectively a de facto Kentucky Derby prep race. Now, chronologically, timing-wise, the next race would be the Bob Lewis, as far as the three-year-olds are concerned. Also, uh, 4 to 6 Eastern CNBC on Saturday. I will be at Gulfstream going over these races, both the Gulfstream and Santa Anita races. Uh, prior to that, I will have the first six over on FanDuel TV. The Bob Lewis, it's a field of four. It's Baffert with all of them. No points are going to be given out. We'll take them right in post-position order. Arabian Lion, again, the, the two-turn low-sal futurity was an unmitigated disaster. The horse has never been higher than three to five in three lifetime starts. So while I understand Newgate, drawn just to his outside, is your second choice at eight to five and comes into this race on the heels of a runner-up finish in the sham behind Reincarnate, I have a difficult time seeing Arabian Lion and Newgate being that close. I think Arabian Lion's going to be bet. I think he's probably pushing odds on even money, you know, in that ballpark. And Newgate is that sort of 8-5, 9-5 second choice would be my assumption with Worcester floating up a hair. But in a four-horse field, you know, your, your top picks, they're not going to be that far apart. You're not going to have a 25-1 to one shot in a four-horse field. You're, mathematically, it doesn't work like that. Maybe the blinkers going on are going to wake up Arabian Lion. Maybe you're just supposed to draw a line through that last race because it's Sal and crazy things happen at Sal. He ran too well in the first two starts for one to believe that that's what he is. The only other thing that I'd throw out there, it's far too early to make any kind of definitive statements one way or the other. The maiden score came in gate-to-wire fashion. The allowance race at Keeneland on Breeders' Cup weekend, this horse never made the front at any point. He was close to it. He got run down by Giant Mischief, who's a cox horse. I'm not saying you can't pass horses. But then he comes into the low self futurity. He doesn't make the lead. He spits the bit. I think they're just going to be aggressive from the inside on Saturday. Blinkers on. Go right to the front. Come and catch me. If they do that and he wins by a million, I, I won't learn anything. Maybe someone else will. But to me... I want to know, A, can he go two turns? He's by Justify, and I think people immediately see Justify and go, well, obviously he can go two turns. Do yourself a favor and take a look. I know it's very early. He's only had 146 runners so far. The numbers are far better going short for Justify than they are long as a sire anyway. And I, I don't know if that's a... A harbinger of things to come or what but i would just throw that out there very small sample in the big picture 
But to, to date, his offspring are far better going short than they are long. Food for thought. Can Arabian Lion go two turns, A? But B, if someone else makes the front, can he pass him? And we may not truly find the answer to either of those. Well, we'll find out the answer about the two-turn thing, I guess, if he makes the front. But my, my point is there are still going to be questions for me coming out of this race about Arabian Lion, regardless of the outcome. I thought Newgate ran really well in the sham. I'm sure some folks will look at it and go back and say, you know, he hung. He had every opportunity to go by reincarnate, and he never did. He's won one race. It was his career debut. It was at five and a half furlongs. And he has found tougher company, too much to deal with on multiple occasions since. All that's true. But when you factor in the way two-turn races at Santa Anita typically are run, speed is paramount. The way that this horse rallied and really started warming up on the far turn, I thought was encouraging. And Timeform US, I could be wrong. I'll pull it up right here on the fly. I believe they had that color-coded as a speed-friendly racing surface, even more so than what Santa Anita typically is, going two turns especially. So if you factor all that in, and you think he got turned away by a decent enough horse, who it, it sounds like reincarnate could be kind of a sneaky one, you know, depending on how the, the whole maturation process goes, he might be a little bit sneaky big picture going forward. I think Newgate ran really well. And I, I'm most encouraged by, let's start with the Timeform US ratings. If you factor in their, their pace-adjusted number, he's not taken a backward step in five starts. He's gone 98 to 104 to 110 to 112 to 114. The incremental improvements are the things that I look for this time of year. I don't want to see an improvement by 25 points. I don't think that does you any good. Sure, you ran faster, but at what cost? I like to see the sort of foundational bit-by-bit -bit improvements to make me think that down the road you're going to continue to improve, and it wasn't just sort of a flash in the pan. On the buyer side of things, 80, 77, 80, 87, 95. Essentially continues to improve incrementally. Newgate's who I'm going to pick in this spot. Maybe the pace doesn't work out. Maybe he ends up just chasing Arabian Lion around the racetrack and finishes second or third. But I think Newgate is pretty good. Worcester. And that's how it's pronounced. Worcester. <laughs> Another Baffert horse. Um, a maiden. 0 for 2. Empire maker. Super saver mare. Hasn't gone two turns yet. To, to me, oh, hello. Uh, to me, the biggest thing about this horse is his running style. Now, he tried to rally into a relatively soft pace behind Hajazi, who's a pretty good horse, another Baffert runner. No surprise there. Two turns at face value won't be an issue for him, but if Arabian Lion is going to go to the front, what what is that? What, what is Juan Hernandez supposed to do at that point? Do you sit off of Newgate? Are you aggressive enough to try to push Arabian Lion? Keep in mind, Newgate and Worcester have common ownership. So it seems incredibly unlikely they're going to duel one another. But let's say Arabian Lion goes, Newgate sits, Worcester goes. Maybe Worcester ensures that there's some pace. If he wins the race on his own, great. Worst case scenario, he softens up Arabian Lion and Newgate comes with his run beneath Frankie. 
That's kind of how I'm envisioning the race. And hard to figure. Crazier things have happened. But what this horse has done in four starts, if he beats all three of these other runners, then just point blank, this is not a very good group. I expect him to run third or fourth, depending on how fast and how taxing the early pace is. I don't think he's as good as the other three. And in my eyes, he's sort of a non-factor in this race. Unless you think he's going to have the hair ridden off of him to try to make the front blinkers on, off the layoff, and he's shown speed in the past going shorter. I still don't know if he's fast enough to deal with a horse like Arabian Lion, especially if they are intent from the rail on going right to the front. So for me, it's Newgate in the Bob Lewis. Zero points on the line. It's a shame, but I think we will at least start to formulate some opinions about what these horses specifically could be and also where do they stack up in comparison to the big horse and the big horse he's already earned that moniker arabian knight being as impressive as he was out at oaklawn he looks like he could be anything where do these horses stack up in comparison to him and then we go back to florida the nightcap race number 12 quarter to six on the east coast it is the Holy Bull, and I'll, I'll be honest. When I first looked at the field, I said, Oof. yeah, we don't have anybody else. But then again, you know, Todd's got two good ones that are going to go in the allowance race. They need some more experience. Totally understand that. And that also probably was unfair and unkind to the horses lining up in this race. Lord Miles, 4-1 to one on the morning line. Arad Ortiz Jr. with the mount. Arad has ridden this horse in the mornings. Blinkers go on for a horse that seemingly runs incomplete races. Safi Joseph Jr. has alluded to that, that this is a, a very green horse. He seems to resent kickback. Yes, he had a, an unreal pace to run at in the Mucho Macho Man on New Year's Day. Yes, he came with a little bit of a late run. But I think it had more to do with the fact that he's still learning the game for, for a lack of wicked finish. He did come with a good run at the end, but I think he's learning. Now... You know, learning, you can you can continue to, to improve, but now you've got a number of, of things being thrown at you. You're breaking from the rail, you're going two turns, you're getting blinkers on. Maybe you're going to take, I, I, I guess maybe you're going to be more forward. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'd be very curious to see what the plan is uh, from a tactical standpoint. Because while I think you can make up ground on this main track at Gulfstream, especially going two turns. I don't know that you want to come from 100 out of it. But also, I don't know that all of a sudden, for an inexperienced horse with new equipment, that I want to be trying to use him early to establish position on the off chance that he doesn't shut off. Um, he's, he's a fascinating horse. He's probably the one I'm most interested in seeing what we get in this race. I'm not going to pick him, but I think he has the most, his, um, let's say his, his distribution, his, his, his realm of possibilities, I think is, is among the widest in the field where he could win emphatically and really stamp himself as a proper three-year-old, or I could see him, you know, running, running sixth in a field of eight, non-threatening, never really getting involved. 
I don't know what to do with this horse, big picture. I, I think he's a, a, a tough... I just think he's a tough case study at this point. West Coast Cowboy, the other Safi Joseph Jr. runner in this spot. You know, if, if we're just being honest, he's slow right now. He needs to improve pretty substantially. Um, the fact that Arad Ortiz Jr. is on the inside horse, not on this one. You know, do with that what you will. Chased a little bit of speed in that last start. Ran into Legacy Isle, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Could not run him down. Couldn't really get all that close to him, if we're being honest. The only victory to date came on a sloppy track in gate wire fashion. If it rains, probably won't hurt his cause. But now he's got to go out to two turns. In all likelihood, probably needs to show that he can pass a horse. Or maybe he just goes, is aggressive, ensures that there's some pace. And if he can't get it done, I know they're not common ownership, but it could help set things up for Lord Miles. West Coast Cowboy, not for me. Shadow Dragon, not for me either. Uh, the first two starts ridden by Junior Alvarado, now ridden by Jose Ortiz. Uh, negligible, no difference there in my eyes. I think they're both two of the best riders down here. Lengthy layoff. Haven't seen this horse since just before Halloween in October as a two-year-old. That came in a New York Bread Stakes race. The pace was slow that day. Backed up. Preceded a layoff. I'm willing to excuse that. The problem is the run in the debut had an unreal pace to run at and got up in the shadow of the wire. He pipped a horse called Looms Boldly, who I remember talking to PTF about that day. I believe we were on a happy hour. And he had said it seems like he's probably going to need one. And Looms Boldly ran a bang-up race, and just got nipped by this horse at the very end. The army mules are, are flying. They, they can seemingly do no wrong early on. He's had 192 starters as of Thursday night. He is 19% overall, 22% in dirt sprints, but he's only had 10 dirt routes. Now, his offspring have won two of them, but something to consider. Also, I mean, equally as uh, impressive is the, the turf number for this stallion at this point. 12% turf sprint, you know, 2 for 16 may not be all that flashy, but the turf route is 3 for, three for 12. Army Mule. I never would have guessed that. Now, to be fair, I I, I don't know shit about breeding and, and what what's going to make a good stallion. That's not anything I have any knowledge of. I mean, Armin Mule, I just know that he would beat me all the time on the racetrack. I say all the time. He only ran three times. But I, I tried to tried to fade him, I think, all three times he ran. And, you know, grade one winner. One by six lengths when he won the Carter. But um, Army Mule, who knew? Off to a, a great start. Uh, no disrespect, but, but Shadow Dragon, not my, not my cup of tea in here. Cyclone Mischief. As a two-year-old, I, I didn't love this horse. I thought he was fine. Sort of, you know... Had the makings of a, of a derby runner. I don't know that I ever looked at him and was like, yeah, that, that could be a derby contender. I could see him running in the race. And then he came back, and he had been working really well leading into his return to the races... And, and to be fair, he really wasn't gone all that long. He ran right around Thanksgiving and came back the first week of January. My first week down here as well. I believe it was on a Saturday. He ran in a really good race. 
There were nice horses in that spot, and he buried them. Absolutely crushed them. Visually phenomenal. Much the best. The loss in the Kentucky Jockey Club doesn't look as bad now when you've seen that Instant Coffee came back. He's a graded stakes winner. Red Route 1 ran really well the other day. I believe that was in Oaklawn. You know, that actually ends up being a pretty decent race, big picture. And despite the fact that the pace, based on Timeform US's pace figures, was slow, the pace kind of came apart. So maybe Cyclone Mischief needed or deserved the benefit of the doubt for that run. He comes back, airs in the allowance race, going one turn. Lasik's on that day, off here today. Something to factor in, perhaps. He's 2-1 to on the morning line. I'm expecting him to go off closer to odds on. And I'm going to end up picking him. I will not be betting him. Because I can't imagine him going off. I mean, if he goes off at 2-1, to one, sure, I'll bet him. Or 9-5. to five. But on paper, he, he's probably, and I haven't priced the race out yet, but I probably would make him in that sort of, you know, 6-5 to five range. Simply because no one in this field has really run all that fast. So... If he's six to five, and for whatever reason he goes off somewhere in you know nine to five, two to one, I mean it's a it's fabulous value. I just don't I don't expect it to happen. I think he's going to be he might even be four to five. And I'll be honest, I'm expecting him to win, and I'm expecting him to put on a little bit of a show. And if he doesn't, I'll be a little bit disappointed. He looked so good that day. Maybe it was the one turn, but he's one going two turns in the past. That Kentucky Jockey Club, maybe he just ended up being a little bit unlucky going forward in a, in a race that, you know, it just kind of came apart. I thought he was really good. I think he's a promising colt. He is more already than I thought he was going to be as far as the potential contender for a race like the Kentucky Derby. And it's never, ever a bad thing when you're going to be the favorite in one of the points races on the road to, to Louisville. I think Cyclone Mischief's the horse to beat. I'm going to pick him reluctantly. And I say reluctantly just because of the price. I won't be betting him in all likelihood. Mr. Bob. He's tried going a ride around one time. That was a one-turn mile. The pace was hot that day. He didn't get away all that well. Blinkers go on. You know, nice horse. I don't know that right now I'm, you know, in a rush to, to bet him in a spot like this. If he proves me wrong and he goes out and runs a big race on Saturday, you know, tip, tip the cap to uh, Robert Falcone Jr., but... For right now, I'm going to kind of take that wait-and-see approach. I think he needs to improve pretty significantly and prove that two turns is going to be his friend. Whenever I see Practical Joke at this point, uh, I'm rather dubious about how far they want to go. He's 10% overall with his dirt routers, but 18% with the dirt sprinters. I think, you know, it's kind of boring out or playing out. that That's, that's what he was on the racetrack, and I think that's what his kids are going to be like. Mr. Bob is uh, one that I will be watching. Legacy Isle, I want no part of. And I think Rohan Crichton does a good job. Uh, the fact that you've got Louis Sai as a board is a positive. He's basically paired up by her tops in his last two, 72 and 73. I think it could lead to a forward move. He was DQ'd from a stakes victory. 
in the Mucho Macho Man. He plays second. The reason I'm against him in this spot. He set a wicked pace in that Mucho Macho Man, and he did hang on, ultimately to be disqualified, but he held on. He never changed leads at any point. And I know he's shown a dynamic where he can do different things. He can go to the lead. He can rally from off of it. As the, what, co-second choice at 7-2, to two, a horse that didn't change leads, that tired as badly as he did. He got his final quarter mile, and I, I know they went really fast. He got his final quarter in 27-2. and two. Now he's got to go two turns and an extra 16th of a mile. He's another one. I, I think he's good. I think he's very good. Is he is he a derby kind of horse? I don't I don't think I'm buying it right now. Maybe he proves me wrong Saturday as well. Any of these horses could really. But I, I just I think he's probably a one turn type. I think he's a Pat Day Mile kind of potential runner. I think he's a Woody Stevens kind of horse if they wanted to go down that path. I'm just not convinced at this point right now anyway based on what he's done and the way that he runs, that he's going to end up being some kind of a Kentucky Derby contender. Il Miracolo for Antonio Sano, another one that had a big pace to run at, and that Mucho Macho Man didn't really kick in at any point. Uh, tried the Remsen going two turns over a wet track. Um, did not have a great run of it. Had some trouble, but really wasn't you know doing anything anyway. And the only win today is in gate to wire fashion, going a one-turn mile. By gun runner, you always have to respect any gun runner that you see at this point, but I think he's slow on paper. I'll be curious to see what kind of running style we get with Lionel Reyes aboard. Are they going to be aggressive out of there and try to use? It's also something to keep in mind that the gate to wire win on November 12th came on a day where the pace in the big picture was, was rather tepid. So Il Miracolo, not for me. And Rocket Can rounds out the field for this year's Holy Bull. Trained by Bill Mott, ridden by Junior Alvarado, coming off of a lengthy layoff. Two starts back, broke the maiden, going two turns over a wet track at Churchill Downs. Checks a lot of boxes. Comes back on November the 26th. Runs well, only defeated by a half length by a horse that won in gate-to-wire fashion. You take a look and see how that race has come back. The winner that day came back and earned an 80 in the next start. The fourth place finisher was the next out winner with an 82 buyer. And the eighth place finisher came back and improved their buyer in the next start by 22 points. So there's a lot to like about Rocket Can. My only concern, well, it's twofold. One, the draw is no bargain. We've discussed, you know, Outside draws at a mile and an eighth. Well, the difference here is you're starting at the same point, just the finish line is the first finish line. So you got a short straight that you got to deal with turning for home. I think he's probably still hung wide going around that first turn. He's got some tactical speed. And in a way, I, I wish there were more horses in here or more, more runners that had numbers that were comparable to Cyclone Mischiefs because I think I'd be interested in Rocket Can at five or six to one. I think he probably is your 
Yeah, I think he's the second choice. I think he ends up being second choice, maybe five to two, three to one. And it's just a little bit light for me from a gambling standpoint. Does he make sense? Absolutely. Can he win? For sure. And if if not for Lord Miles' presence, in sort of the the one that I'm most interested in seeing what he does here. If he's one A, one B is Rocket Can because th- this is a really intriguing runner. For a few reasons, I mean, the pedigree is there to think that, not that he's going to run all day, but that, you know, I don't think distance is really going to be the the problem for him. Mom didn't do a hell of a lot, but the second dam, tough tis is sis, I mean, she was a, a grade one winner going long. She was, she was a really good horse. So I don't think distance is, is going to be the thing that gets that kind of horse beat. If he loses Saturday, barring something unforeseen, I think it's probably a combination of the layoff, the wide draw, and, you know, maybe he doesn't love Gulfstream. But that, you know, I, I, you can't predict that at this point. I think Rocky Can's a really intriguing horse. I think he could end up being a very talented runner. Uh, if not Saturday being his day, I, I certainly could see it down the road. All this is to say uh, I'm chalking out in this race with a 2-1 to shot, and in the Bob Lewis, I'm going with the second choice, who is a, uh, you know, a, a massive price on the morning line at 8-5. to And then back at Gulfstream, what I'm calling the first of three Kentucky Derby prep races, um, I'm getting very bold and brave with a 9-5 to shot. So a lot of shorties for me this weekend. Not usually my MO. By the way, I'll share this with you. I've had a number of people giving me some stick on uh, social, but for my time here in South Florida through Thursday, because Thursday was unfortunately, we had a couple of, uh, oh boy, I really like that Rotterdam horse, and he ran a winning race, just the the pace setter today just did not stop. Um, 139 races I have put picks in over on TVG.com or on the TVG app. Based on the odds, the average odds of the horse that I have picked have been 6.37 to 1, which would translate to an estimated win percentage of 15.7%. Now, you always hear about people talk about uh, 30% winners, 30% winners. Look, if you're picking 30% winners at 6 to 1 odds, you're a rich man or woman. If you're picking 30% winners, it's probably with a bunch of 6 and 7 to 5 shots, which inherently means you're losing money. The expected win percentage for me with that, with those odds of 6.37 to 1 is 15.7%. I'm currently at 16.5% uh, with the win ROI at $1.82, which effectively means we're down about 9%. We are not totally beating the takeout, but we have just lessened it to this point. So 182 on a $2 bet. 9% down. You know, is it something to, you know, beat your chest about? No. Is it better than the vast majority? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people live in sort of the 140, 150 ROI, which is not only losing the takeout, but losing your own money. That's just... Food for thought. I'm going to throw that out there, and I'll update that both here and on uh, 
unsocial, but social has become quite a cesspool. So I'll probably do it more on here. And I just keep a running tally. Uh, and this will continue on wherever I end up going and giving out picks for the website and for the app. So through 139 races, we're at a $2 ROI of $1.82. 16.5% winners with the expected win percentage of 15.7% with the average off odds of my picks going off at 6.37 to 1. I can promise you the horses on Saturday, what I just talked about, will bring that down a little bit. Because we've got a decent enough sample, though, you know, 6.37 won't plummet. But um, far shorter than that average price of uh, just over 6 to 1 for the runners I've given out so far. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking this out and supporting, whether it is on YouTube or it's any of the podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can follow me over on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. You can watch me daily on FanDuel TV or on Saturday on CNBC from 4 to 6 Eastern. And I will be back next week. It'll probably be Friday. I fly out Thursday afternoon to San Francisco. I'll probably work the day Friday, or maybe I do the pod first thing in the morning, West Coast time on Friday. It, it'll probably come out Friday at some point. Whether it is morning or afternoon, your guess is as good as mine. It'll be out next week. We'll talk a little bit more about some of these races that we've seen and look ahead to the El Camino Real Derby as well as some other things. So uh, until next week, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 147 of the Matt Show.